0: I want you and I to look at a brief passage, it'll be on the screens in just a moment. Um, And and I'm hoping that we can look at the cross. Most of us sitting here know the story of what Jesus did. We know the cross, we're familiar with it, but I, I want us to try to, in a way, wipe what you think you might know or what you do know, just put it aside for now. And look at this event. Look at what Jesus did from two vantage points. First of all, I want us to look at the cross through the eyes of God himself. Look at what he thinks about the cross, what he intended from the cross of Christ. And then secondly, I want you and I to look at an eyewitness account of a a man who did not know God, a Roman centurion, an officer in the powerful Roman army. And I want us to look at the cross from his vantage point, from the ground looking up. Luke puts it this way as an eyewitness account of that day, that Good Friday. And he says this beginning in verse 44 of Luke chapter 23. And he says, it was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon for the sun stopped shining And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. Now what I want you to notice first about the cross looking through God's eyes is that Jesus arrived in the midst of darkness even before the darkness mentioned here. And this darkness is talking literally It's talking about something, a phenomenon that happened when Jesus breathed his last breath. But the word darkness is used here in other places in the New Testament to refer to gloom, to refer to hopelessness. I think that is something even in today's world we can relate to today. This is not just 2,000 years ago that we struggle with hopelessness. It was a time then and it is now So Jesus didn't arrive when there was bright light. He arrived when it was the darkest of days. He didn't arrive when they were on the mountaintop. He arrived when they were in a dark valley. That's God's timing. God knew exactly when he needed to arrive to pay the price he needed to pay. In this darkness, In the New Testament is representing at least three kinds of darkness if you will literal darkness as in this case the Sun went out unexpectedly from noon to three and what's interesting is in the book of Amos the prophet Amos in the Old Testament he prophesied that this was going to happen when the Christ showed up to pay the price Here's what Amos said in chapter 8 verse 9, long before Jesus was even born and before he of course arrived and he died on the cross, it says, in that day declares the Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. So there was literal darkness, but my friend, that's not where the darkness stopped. Because in this day when Jesus died, there was intellectual darkness going on as well. What do I mean by that? People were looking at Jesus, looking at the miracles he was performing, looking at the prophecies he was fulfilling, and they were turning away from the truth. Truth was looking at them in the face and saying, the truth will set you free. But they were turning to walk away from the truth. And instead, they were in that day embracing legalism. Religious legalism in other words playing God themselves So there was an intellectual darkness when Jesus showed up to To solve the problem, but there was also a very deep moral and spiritual darkness in that day and time not unlike today there there was a darkness that that a people had drifted so far away from God that the more they drifted away from God the less hope they had that's how that works by the way the farther they drifted away from God the, the, the more they were engrossed in this personal darkness this despair was on full display in Jesus day you see the Hebrew people God's people they were religious but they were also in despair. Isn't that funny how that works out? Why? Because they had turned away from God. They were living a darkness in that day and time, in a despair. And that is when Jesus shows up to do what only Jesus can do. So he shows up in the midst of darkness, but he also shows up, you see in the next verse, he shows up in the midst of human failure, the missing the mark. How do I know that? Look at the next verse. that says the sun stopped shining and the curtain in the temple was torn in two. We know from the gospels it was torn from the top down. It was way up in the air in a big thick curtain. What is this curtain? You see, this was a barrier between the people of God and the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest was allowed to go in once a year to offer sacrifices for the forgiveness of sin to represent the people one time a year But when Jesus breathed his last breath, my friend, he took the barrier away. When Jesus took his last breath, that court curtain was torn from top to bottom saying, God did this. No man did this. Only God was willing to pay the price, his son on that cross, and tear that curtain. Meaning that you and I now can walk into the presence of God through Jesus Christ. When? Every single day of your life but only if you choose to. You see, you got to be willing to walk in to the presence of Christ every single day of your life. But it is now available to every person. That's what Jesus did. That is the cross from God's vantage point and perspective. But then notice something else. It wasn't that only Jesus' death brought life to us but he made God's love clear he put it on full display how do I know that you look in the next verse it says Jesus called out in a loud voice he wanted the people around him to hear this he called out in a loud voice father into your hands I commit my spirit Jesus is actually quoting Psalm 31 verse 5 he adds the word father to the front of that verse And he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus is saying, I'm entrusting you with my death, entrusting you with my future resurrection. You see, the Jewish children were taught to pray that prayer every single day as they were going to bed, and the the darkness would descend on them literally, and they would pray and say, God, I trust you. God, I affirm my faith in you. God, I affirm that you are more than enough regardless of what may come in life. That's what that means. That's what Jesus is affirming on the cross. He's affirming that he can trust his Father even, even even unto death and he says father into your hands i commit my spirit and then it says he what he took his last breath notice that it says he took nobody took it from him the 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 very grammar of the verses points to the fact that jesus was his life was not taken from him he gave his life Jesus was not placed on that cross. He climbed up on it. Jesus had the power of heaven and earth in his hands. He could have walked away from the cross. He could have stopped it at any moment he wanted to, but he did not do that. He got on that cross and was willing to breathe his last breath. You see, that's the cross From the perspective from the vantage point of our loving God it was death that brought you and I life that we could not have any other way and it was love made clear you think God could love you any more than he loves you no he he has shown it as fully as possible but there's one final vantage point I want you to look at the cross from tonight and that is from the man on the ground who did not know God this centurion who was a Roman officer with a lot of power of his own this officer who had a hundred men under him and had a lot of power in Jerusalem he, he could do a lot of things he wanted to do and this centurion who had seen many a people crucified on the cross before you see the Romans as you well know created the cross as a way to control the Jews And anybody they occupied, they used the cross to make sure that the people did what they wanted. It was a brutal way to die. Nobody wanted in their their right mind wanted to die this way. This man had seen many people die on the cross. But you know what? He saw that this death was different. He, He knew. It's amazing, this man who didn't really know God, know Christ, On a personal level, a life-changing level, he saw that this was different. How do I know? Verse 47, it says, the centurion, seeing what had happened, did what? He praised God. The centurion seeing what happened, you see that word seeing doesn't just mean he literally saw what was going on. What it means is he discerned something behind what he was seeing. He knew that God was doing something. He knew that this was different from everything he had ever seen. He may not have had all the answers and he likely did not, but he saw something deeper than just a tragic event on Good Friday. And he caused him to praise God. It caused this man who did not know God to yearn for God. You see, we all yearn for God, whether you know it or not. We all have that place in our lives that we try to fill with stuff and success and money and everything else we can think of. And guess what? It doesn't work, does it? It never works because there's that place that only God can fill in your life. This man seemed to have an inkling of that. Had he known Jesus before? I don't know for sure. Perhaps he knew something of Christ, but he saw something different that day. And then look at what he said. He said, surely, absolutely, this was a what? A righteous man. You see, that word righteous in this case means innocent. He knew he did not deserve what he got that day on the cross. But that word righteous, listen, means more than just that. It means and refers to somebody who's in alignment with the heart of God, with the character of God. His character aligns with God. It refers to someone, and likely he saw this in Jesus' life before he went to the cross. It, it, it refers to somebody who did not treat people differently. He treated everybody the same. It refers to somebody who did not have prejudice. They, they did not prejudge people It refers to somebody that loved everybody. That's Jesus, right? That's the Christ that died for you and I on that first Good Friday and can change your life if you'll only place your faith in him and continue to do so each new day of your life. He breathed his last, and he died not a guilty man, but a righteous man according to this very eyewitness i love this quote from aw tozier in my men's group here at new hope we've been studying tozier together and what he has to say about god and the attributes of god and i love this we we saw this last sunday night it says so let men turn their telescopes on, heaven, on the heavens and their microscopes on the molecules. Let them probe and search and tabulate and name and find and discover. And then he says, I can say to them, I know the one who made all this. I am personally acquainted with the one who made it. Amen. That's what Jesus accomplished on the cross. This is not just a historic, tragic event. This is God with us who was willing to die for us. God who made an abundant life possible, a resurrected life possible, we'll look at this Sunday. But before you can get to that life, you've got to come to the cross first. Before that life is possible, Jesus had to do what he was willing to do. And so what I want to leave you with tonight, I don't know everybody that's here. If by chance you're here and you've never placed your faith in Christ, maybe you're not quite sure what that means. Talk to us. Let us have conversations with you. Take that step. And my question for you is if you've never placed your faith in Christ, why not? What is it that is stopping you? What is it that is the barrier? Because the God I know, he'll tear down the barriers if you'll just take it one step at a time. So if you're here tonight, by any chance, came with a friend or just came on your own and you've not taken that step, find me or Ryan or one of the staff. There's a number of members that would love to just talk to you and share how this Christ has changed our life. We're not perfect. That's probably pretty obvious, but we're not. I'm certainly not. But I know that I'm different because of who Jesus is in my life. I, I do know that that the grace I've received all through my life now, it has changed me. From the inside out. And so my next challenge is for those sitting here tonight that are followers of Christ, are you living like it? Are you living as if the power of the cross has redeemed you, has changed you? Are you living as if he is more than enough? Because according to God's word, he is. Are you living as if any challenge that comes, no matter how painful and and hard and scary and dark, are you living one day at a time as if this Jesus is more than enough? Because quite honestly, sometimes in my own life included, I catch myself not living that way. I'm saved, I'm a believer, I know him, but I'm losing out on following him. So are you following him one day at a time? You see, Good Friday changes everything because Good Friday leads to the the tomb. It leads to the resurrected life to the life that God wants you and I to live. Pray with me, if you will. Father, may we never, ever, ever get over what you are willing to do for us. May we never forget the price that Jesus paid on the cross for every single one of us May we never lose sight of the kind of love you have for us. May we never lose sight of the fact that you are more than enough. Come what may in this life. May we look forward with a hope that is beyond anything this world could ever offer That we, through Christ, because of what he paid on the cross, can only live a life that is abundant, that is purposeful, that is resurrected. It's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen.